0: Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, fanatics of all ages. Welcome to a uh, particularly stressful new episode of Philly's Therapy, where we find ourselves on the opposite end of of some old Phillies-Mets drama that had been missing, I feel like, for a few weeks. Hadn't really had a barn burner quite like Sunday's game in a while. Uh, The Phillies dropped three of four to the Mets in a series at home, and people are not happy about that. But we'll tell you why that uh, is not as big a deal as it looks. More on that in a little bit. Trust us. Hang in there. Joining me to go through all these things, Mets and otherwise, and the hopefully easier schedule coming up. We'll see how that goes. Joining me to go through all this, as always, the one and only Phillies beat writer whose initials line up with Miguel Alfredo Gonzalez, Matt Gelb, <laughs> the athletic field. RIP.
1: Starting on a R. somber Uh-oh. note. Yeah. RIP. Still the most money they've ever spent on a uh, international professional player.
0: Didn't he get like 12 million dollars or something? He was like supposed that? to get
1: 48 million, he only got 12
0: million. Yeah, yeah, with the injury. Anyway, not quite the uh not quite the path we want to go down. Matt, the Phillies lost three or four to the Mets. It's you know, same old song. The Mets had their number this year. They they beat him up. They beat him up pretty good. Uh and people I think maybe it was the way Sunday's game went down with the back and forth and the lead changes and the dual blown saves within the same game. It kind of brought up some memories of the past few years and it would have been nice to have this win and get a series split, but they didn't get it. And now there's still 11 games over 500. There's still a game and a half within uh playoff position game and a half up on Milwaukee. Now that San Diego has leapfrogged them. um, the Sky's not really falling here, right? I don't think so. Yeah, and, I don't and I
1: know this is, might be, you know, qualify as a hot take but uh I, I i am inclined to to kind of throw away these mets games and i know it doesn't work that way but i kind of want to start two, with though. this mm. i want to start with this this is a list of the teams uh this season that have a winning record against the mets and this could mm-hmm. be from one series it could be from three series just any team with a winning record this season against new york mets okay the list is the houston astros okay they're four and San Diego Padres are four and two against the Mets. Okay. The Seattle Mariners are two and one.
0: Okay. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's the
1: Mets have a winning record or or a split record, uh, really a winning record against every other team. They split their four games with the Dodgers. Uh, they don't lose series, and I, I think the Mets are in a tier that is shared with maybe one or two other teams right now in all of Major League Baseball. I mean, they are among the three best teams in baseball. I think it's Mets, Dodgers, and Astros. And the Phillies aren't in that tier. And I don't think it's unrealistic. You know, I know it's frustrating that the Phillies aren't in that tier. They've spent a lot of money. They have a talented roster. We've waited a long time to see a good Phillies team. Uh, I think it's unfair to expect them to be in that tier, though, right now. And and if anything, these Mets games have proven to us that they are, uh, they, they are f- quite far from that tier. Although some of these Mets games were competitive. I mean, I think the games in sure. City Field were rather competitive. Outside of one Zach Wheeler inning uh, in, in the Sunday game at City Field, the games in Citizens back Park, a couple of them were not competitive. No, uh, the game Sunday is, is a game the Phillies should have won. Uh, I think f- flatly. The Mets, I don't want to say the Mets were trying, I don't want to say the Mets were conceding Sunday, uh, but I think they would have been okay just crossing the day off the calendar and moving on. The two pitchers they used uh, to cover the first seven innings of the game uh, were not big league pitchers. And uh,
0: they're both making their debuts, right?
1: Yeah. And they were kind of, there just, just, I wouldn't say in an emergency, but I mean, really the Mets felt as if they had really overused their pitchers of late. They've had a Mm -hmm. bunch of injuries. Taiwan Walker was supposed to start, he didn't start but they didn't want to put him on the IL. So they had to do some roster stuff and they, and again, I'm not saying they were conceding the game. I don't think that they were, would have been upset if they would have lost, but gotten through the day with all their guys healthy and rested and move on to the Yankee series that they have this week uh, sure. in the Bronx. Uh, and, and it's a game that Philly should have won, uh, flatly, you know, in a bullpen blow it twice, the first blown saves and, uh, Almost six weeks or more than six weeks, yeah, crazy. Uh, wow, think, think about, about that. that. But you know the timing. I understand. I mean, they they put Anthony Dominguez on the injured list uh, Sunday morning. Then they go out and and have their worst bullpen game in, in, in quite some time. And it's um it is related. It definitely is, of course. But I don't know. I mean, like the Mets are a bad matchup for the Phillies. I think we can admit that. I think we can all see that. Uh and then I think it's okay to say that, like, I still think the Phillies are a good team, and I still think they're making the playoffs, and I still think that uh, my opinion of them hasn't changed. And, and I'm, I'm somebody who is rather cynical, Paul. Like, uh, I think that's just uh, the way you, that I am no. wired. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I guess I've seen too much uh, <laughs> yeah, to well, we not all be that's cynical sure. about this, but yeah. – uh, I don't get the same vibes I've gotten in the previous years from teams that you're like, Mm. "Eh, you know, I don't know. Like if this goes right and if that goes right, if this goes right. Yeah. Maybe, you know, they're getting in there. I don't have those vibes with this team. I think this is a good team. I do. And there's seven teams for six spots. They have to be better than one of those teams. Right. And I think they're better than at least two of those teams. Uh, And I, I don't know. My opinion has not changed the Phillies. I think the Dominguez injury, and we can talk about this in a little bit, uh, certainly changes things. But I also think, Paul, that we have, not we, but the world, we have forgotten uh, one thing. And that is, like, they played without Bryce Harper for two months now. And, and I think because they played so well at the beginning of, you know, uh, the time without Bryce, it was almost like it became, oh, they can do this. Oh, like, you know, let's just forget about Bryce. And when we get and when he gets back, like, you know, great. Um they they miss Bryce. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. And sure. also, I think it's unfair to judge uh, the team without you know possibly their their most valuable player and the reigning NL MVP. Really, uh, I still think September second in San San Francisco is is the day. Uh, maybe it's a maybe it's in Arizona. It won't be during his home stand. Um, he'll play for Lehigh Valley at some point this week. Uh, he will be back though within the next you know less than two weeks. Um, and I think uh, I think it's gonna change a lot of things. And I think it's hard to to make judgments about this team until you see uh, Harper back in the DH spot and Schwarber back in left field, uh, and, and really the the full lineup that they're going to go into September with.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly um, news for sore ears, or whatever, however you want to phrase that. It, it, it's going to be great to have him back, and and I think if we can use a little bit of um, baseball algebra here and trying to compare. The Phillies and Mets is that the difference between these two teams, with the Phillies not having Bryce Harper, is more than just missing the turns of Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Like it, 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 it's not like missing Scherzer and Degrom within a series means that the Phillies all of a sudden should be nearer that onto that plane with them and really hang with them and possibly claim a series. And I know you can do you know, lots of things in these short series during the course of a season. You don't always get the results that match up with the talent levels of the teams playing. I get that. But the gap between these two teams is wide. You were saying this. That doesn't mean that the Phillies aren't good. There are different levels of good. There are many different facets to being a good baseball team. The Mets are a very good baseball team. The Phillies are a good baseball team. Without their best player, they are a little less good, but they are still good. And I think it frustrates people. I'll, I'll speak, try and speak for a few people, but um, I know this doesn't apply to everybody. I think it's extra frustrating when you can't do it against a team like the Mets where there are so many high running temperatures and emotion. like no matter what state these teams are in, something's always going to be a little bit edgy. There's always going to be that, that little like, oh, I really want to beat these guys. And the Phillies came close to splitting a series. And they lost it in a way that so many Phillies Mets games over the last few years just seem to go with these wild swings. That's really dramatic and frustrating and you hate to see it go against you in this case. But I I don't know if it makes me, I don't know if it makes me a bad fan or less of a fan or just a weird kind of fan where I look at this series and I'm just like, I'm glad it's over and I don't really care. You know, because no, the,
1: I think that's I, I and I don't like telling people how to feel about the team no, that they root for no. because it's not my job. I'm trying to tell, I'm trying to inform them and give them, you know, the information that they can form their own opinions about. Like sometimes I'll have opinions, but I I, I think that's how they view it in there, Paul. And like I know and I don't think that's a loser mentality because actually, like you were saying, the gap is pretty wide between these two teams, but you know what? Like I kind of want to see
0: what it looks like in a five game series. I do too. I, it's not a lost cause here. I I think is what I'm getting at. We can acknowledge that there is a difference between these two teams and understand that the Phillies are not on the Mets level in terms of a regular season, 162 game season. And we see that right now. They're now what? 12 ish games back of them. Like that's, that's about right for this talent gap. And especially with the, you know, um, I guess you could say injuries on both sides, but even that kind of levels out with, with who both teams have been missing Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yes, it sucks to lose a series like that. It doesn't mean that this team is, you know, going to fall flat in October if they get there. And it does not mean that it's a lost cause that if the Phillies somehow advance past the wild card round, they would probably face, I think, Atlanta right now, the way things are currently set up. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, right now, there's a the six. Uh, you know, they beat the Cardinals, they face the Nets.
0: Okay, right. So it would be the Cardinals. They advance. Five game series, anything can happen. Anything can happen. I know it looks bad right now. I know it stinks. I know it hurts to lose a series. I don't like even that. think it looks that bad. No, no. But and again, that's
1: what... and I'm not, and this is an uncomfortable position for me because I'm, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm usually the low man. You know, when I'm making evaluations about this team, and uh, what I see is a team that is almost 20 games over 500. In games, not against the Mets. Is that right? Hmm. They're oh, 11 go. over for the season, and they are uh, 9 yeah. under. Yeah, so exactly 20 over. 5 and 14, uh, yeah. 20 over against teams that aren't the Mets. And I see a team that has a winning record or a tied record with every other possible National League postseason team. So it's not a team that is just beaten up on the dredges of the National League, which there are many. Yeah, um, and that's helped. I think, though, Paul, to me, what sticks out about this team, if you're separating the Mets games, is that if you have watched this team on a daily basis for the majority of the season, you have seen a higher caliber uh, roster, quality of play, Mm. uh, I think at every level, you know, when it comes to pitching, defense, hitting, than we've seen in recent years. And -hmm. I think that's why it sticks out to me. The body of work for this club... uh, Indicates to me that it is a team uh, that is one of the five or six best in the National League. Yes. I do think that. Yes. And <laughs> the Mets stuff, uh, I I think it eats at people because of the way some of these games have gone. Oh yeah. Because they didn't see Scherzer and Degrom this weekend, uh, and and, and I think that it should be something that bothers people because they they you want to be you know be able to, to to hold your own against some of the best teams uh, in the league, mm-hmm. um, you know. I think they're in a really good spot I do and it's weird saying that I have a hard, almost have a hard time saying that I think they're in a really good spot
0: well yeah they just they need to stay healthy right I'm I'm a little concerned about the Dominguez injury obviously losing Corey Canable even if he wasn't as high lev as was initially it's hoped still for. a big deal yeah yeah you, you don't like losing a guy who's clearly got he's got major league stuff you know his command would leave him here and there and he didn't have the best stretch of of season from May to June, but he was recapturing some of that. He was getting a bit better, and that's uh, a shoulder capsule tear is a pretty significant injury. Like it's that's a terrible that's injury. I mean, I think his, yeah,
1: he's it's very bad. Yeah, it's a um, very bad injury for him. So yeah. so ho-
0: hopefully things hopefully things go well with him in his, in his treatment, but he uh, he he could be out a very long time. Anyway, losing Canabel and losing Dominguez one after the other, that stings. And now, you know, you're not going to see Tyler Sear in a bunch of high leverage spots. I think today was kind of an anomaly where they were running a little bit low and and there were different, you know, bullpen budget things to consider. And, And I think that was another aspect of the game that probably rubbed people the wrong way. I, I didn't like using David Robertson today anyway, from the outset. And obviously that, you know, um, Tough
1: spot. I mean, I guess it was yeah. Sam Coonrod to close it or, right. or Dave Robertson. And Robertson and, called down during the game. Or, well, yeah. Robertson relayed to the dugout during the game that he wanted the ball. And, you know, they were going to use him in an emergency. And Thompson, uh-huh. I think, started to look at how the game was unfolding and was like, okay, Segura hits that home run. And all of a sudden, Dave is thrown in the bullpen. And you're like, okay, well, I, I kind of get it.
0: Uh, I kind of do too, and I mean, yeah. Like, and he made, honestly, like, he made the pitch he made
1: to Cannon was terrible. The other pitches it he made weren't weren't bad.
0: No, the McNeil it, double was a good pitch. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll stand yeah. by that. Yeah. Um, the anyway, pitch to Cannon I, was terrible. Yeah, he, right. Terrible. I just I, I don't look. He's he's probably gonna have to be on ice for a few days now. A couple days. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I,
1: I really honestly do not know who's going to pitch for them on Monday. Yeah. Syndergaard is starting against the Reds. And by my count, they have maybe two guys available in the bullpen. They're going to make some roster moves. They got to
0: make – yeah, they got to make
1: them. Yeah, they're going to make some moves. They're going to churn some guys in and out here. It's, it is – it is, you know, the again, this is the 13-pitcher roster uh, limit and some of the new roster rules I know teams have been complaining about. It, and Jason Stark, wrote, uh, a really interesting story at The Athletic a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. about uh, how, how teams are, are not really loving it. But I think the, the intended purposes of it have been, have been great. I think it makes teams – uh, value tuning relievers, value starters pitching deeper into games, uh, you know, not churning through the roster as much as as they would before. And so, does it handcuff you a little bit? Yeah, it does. Uh, and, and they have some interesting decisions I think to make in terms of swapping guys in and out here. But uh, I'm not really sure who's going to pitch for them on Monday after Syndergaard.
0: Going back to the Mets, just real quick, because there's one thing I, I just I feel like I have to say about this. From where I sit when I see Mets series coming up on the calendar and I'm watching the Mets games, I I live in the the New York TV market. I watch the Mets broadcasts on uh, TV SNY. I actually think they're typically pretty good. You know, this latest Keith Hernandez stuff from a week or two ago aside. Um, I have a hard time enjoying Mets series lately, Phillies Mets series lately. And I think a layer of frustration gets added when you know that some really weird frustrating crap is going to happen <laughs> 9 times out of 10 when you watch one of these games and then you don't even get rewarded in in this season's case 20% of the time 25% of the time with a win for your troubles and your frustrations like you watch a game like today and you're bouncing back and forth like a ping pong ball with all these momentum shifts and Blowing multiple leads with these, you know, game-tying home runs, you know, a four-run lead, a three-run lead. You have the dramatic go-ahead home run in the bottom of the eighth with you know, season Met killer Gene Segura, who leaps. Having his rounds, moment, having a moment leaps as he rounds first base and loses his helmet. Like that, <laughs> that's an image, man. That's the kind of thing like you could see that being an above-the-fold, you know, large three-column photo you know, on the front page of the Inquirer, or the Daily News or something after pulling out a big win. And that's the kind of thing that sticks with you as a team ramps up for postseason run. And then it just goes, and it just, you know, it's all gone because of other things that happened in the rest of the game. And it it, it like grates at you that you feel as though there was this payoff for everything. You just sat through five hours of slop, <laughs> of crap. And then it but- all just goes like, eh.
1: I, but what I think this speaks to is that the Phillies are a good, not great team. They are not there yet, right? But it is better than it's been. It and, and I know that's that's not enough. That's consolation for some who have followed this team and who you know who have lived and died with you know with every pitch and every night for for quite a few years here, where it's been pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I know it's not enough consolation for everyone. I, I get that. I mean, I know there's a lot of fans who want to see great and. You know, they've spent a lot of money and they have some great players, but I think the team as a whole is a good team. I don't think it's a great team. If it was a great team, Paul, like you said, that moment today, Segura jumping up, like it's like the end of like every like uh, uh, 90s, like, act, you know, film, like it's like the, he he just like, pa- it, like freezes him yeah. in the air and like the music plays and the credit rolls. It was a great moment uh, and, and it ends up being just sort of a footnote. And I, I think it's a perfect image for this team. They are, they're almost there. They are not there yet, but they're further along than, than uh, they've been. And, and is that worth celebrating? I don't know. Like I, I, I've, I've thought about this idea a lot the last week or so, like what will, uh, what will constitute a successful season for the 2022 Phillies? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I have the answer to that. I don't. Um, I have ideas. I have thoughts about it, but um, it is merely getting into the tournament a success. I don't know. I think for some people it will be for some people it won't. And that's okay. Like, Success, you know, is is your own, you know, you're, you can decide what is successful. Uh, but for some people, success means winning a playoff series or you're going deep in the playoffs. And I, I don't know if that's going to happen for this team. Uh, I think they're good. They're not great.
0: Yeah. And a lot of that, I think, is going to come down to the payroll number at the end of the year because it, it is large. And I think everybody really gets locked in on that. Like, OK, all of this money is being spent therefore the expectations should be that much higher i kind of get that because i think when you talk about spending all that money the implicit thing there is that you're spending all of that money smartly and importing you know talent commensurate to what you're spending and everything should mesh yes that is correct but i think as a season goes on and as a roster evolves and and all of these contracts and salary figures are a bit ossified you know especially with some of these guys who have been on for a couple of years now they are now fitting those numbers that were signed you know two three four plus years ago into a new set of players a new roster a new set of configured expectations at least maybe this is me just trying a little too hard to justify it but i look at a baseball team separate from its its payroll numbers a because it's not my money you know tick ticket yeah. revenue all that 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 stays separate i know that's one of those misconceptions that's been if you buy a that.
1: lot of group tickets if you buy big group right. tickets you know what doesn't matter what jersey you're wearing you're throwing out the first pitch yeah. <laughs> you're, spending, you're the money is green it's not orange or blue <laughs> or red
0: yeah it's green yeah but it, <laughs> it, but you look at this team right and yes the the the, the money is there that doesn't mean we should be expecting this team to win the World Series. You know what I mean? That's because so they had to spend
1: their way out of mistakes and compounded right. mistakes.
0: So I look at it as yes, getting back to the playoffs is is the necessary success of this season. Getting there is bare minimum. That is the goal. It it sort of creeps into that you know possible loser mentality thing you were talking about earlier in a different way, where you're just like. Yeah, I'm okay if we lose in the wild card series then. Cause that's not true. I'm not well, okay well, with it. How,
1: how, do how does how does your feeling now compare to how you remember how you felt in 2007?
0: Yeah, it, exactly. I I remember when the 06 team came so close to getting in that all I wanted, all I could feel my all I can remember from back then was well, I just want to get in now. I just want to see what it's like. Because I was a little bit too young for the early 90s runs you know i was only i was only about six years old when the 90s 15 year gap which felt like a
1: lot now we're on 11 years here
0: right so i i have no memory of of those teams beyond the the odd regular season game and a couple of you know players and their trading cards that i would have and i didn't yeah yeah and and i didn't absorb any particular any particular Uh, uh, cuts and scars from the Joe Carter home run like I look at the I look at the replay and it doesn't burn me Mm -hmm. like I'm kind of like oh okay that again but it doesn't Mm -hmm. like it doesn't awaken anything within me that's you know lying dormant ready to claw at my insides again like (laughs) that that's not there the way like you know a, a close example to that would be Kaz Matsui in that 2007 series when the Phillies got swept out by the Rockies and you're just like wow okay that's that's really deflating you don't see that highlight quite as much because it wasn't a walk off to win the world series, mm-hmm. but you're just like, th- that's, that's the feeling that you get because you don't like losing and you don't want that to happen. But having been so close the prior season and having seen what it had been built up toward from uh, even, you know, Oh four, like oh three four with the, the imports of Tony and Wagner and really starting to feel like things were turning around. It, it, feels more acceptable to reach that lower first bar, even though you want to keep going. The the level of satisfaction does not need to reside at winning the World Series every single year, at least not for me. Do I want to win the World Series? Yes, these are two different things. So I think if the Phillies make the playoffs, they satisfy that low bar, and that makes this season a success. Then they need to keep going. I would like them to keep going. I don't know if they will, but you're saying but that's
1: money in. for you at that point. Exactly.
0: That's the thing. So like, we're talking about this team, this Phillies team and this Mets team and how disparate they are in a regular season configuration, how wide the gap is in a marathon with this Mets team being as good as it is, it is a really good baseball team. And they are proving that out by being double digits ahead of the Phillies right now. Clear as day. Uh, there is no argument for me. If you bring this into a five-game series, a winner-take-all five-game series where all you need to do is win three before the other team wins three, upsets can happen. Like, Look, 2011, 11 years ago at this point, but I, I think a lot of us will remember that, the 2011 Phillies were a lot better than that Cardinals team over the course of the regular season. And then what happened? The Cardinals like the played really well, and then they just they they rode the wave.
1: It's the best Phillies team in the last twenty five years. Yeah, and they didn't well, make it out the first. Might round. be
0: the best Phillies team ever, maybe, <laughs> maybe ever. Yeah, and and look, that's what happens in these short series. It's also kind of like the the twisted logic that's come out of that is well, the team only needs to be good enough to make the playoffs, and therefore we don't need to spend X, Y, or Z to put ourselves over the top. That some teams have adopted, which which sucks, and I hate that, but. The basic tenet of it is true in that when you get into the playoffs and you have these short series, three-game series aside, my God, and I know the best teams are going to be protected from that. But even a five-game series, it, it's so short. You only need to win three games. Like that, The difference between three and four games in a best-of-five and a best-of-seven series where you can use your pitchers differently, where you don't have to measure the gap between uh, fourth and fifth starters so intently, work Correct. your relievers for an extra game. It is a completely different game and it levels the playing field between teams that can be so far apart in the regular season.
1: And so my last few thoughts on this are that the closest I think that these two teams came to playing a postseason like atmosphere or style were the first two games at City Field. Mm. And quite frankly, I thought the Phillies rose to the task. I do. Those are great. I I think the win, the win of the first game in City Field was their best win of the season. Hard stop. I mean, it was that good. It was crisp. It was well played against Max Scherzer. Mm -hmm. And then the next night when DeGrom started, I mean, they were one hit away from tying or taking the lead in the ninth inning. And the last thing I want to leave is that I was beyond impressed with the way the Phillies have – done against edwin diaz yes
0: yes it's something that i think a
1: lot of people have noticed uh it's something that actually came up on some scouting reports that i was talking to some other people about from other organizations they were kind of asking about Mm. different ideas like what was going on and and uh i I think there's something there i think uh they're in his head a little bit well
0: look edwin diaz is having an incredible season an unbelievable season he he is he is he is the best reliever on the planet right now for my money. And yes. when he comes into a game, you're feeling like, you know, prime Eric Gagne levels, you know, flash the game over graphic. Like this guy is coming in and this game is over. But it hasn't been that way against the Phillies. You're absolutely right. And I look at the way they put together some of these at-bats. Even today, the take Nick Maton had on that outside slider 0-2 <laughs> that preserved his at-bat, kept it going, and allowed him to hit a sack fly. That trimmed the the deficit to one. That's ballsy. That's so ballsy. You are up as the potential, you know, winning run, knowing that you have to stay alive against the nastiest dude on the planet, and you take that pitch. Woo. Yeah, inning began with two Boy. first
1: pitch swings that resulted in not very hard hit singles, but but balls in play, right, which is right. an accomplishment against Edwin Diaz, and mm-hmm. and they ambushed him pretty good. Uh, and, and I thought that. All their bats uh, in the last, uh, just in the last two weeks, but I think overall in the season have been quite good against Diaz. And that's something that they will remember and he will remember uh, if they see each other again in the playoffs. Yes. And I, (laughs) I don't know. I just have this feeling. I feel like they're going to play each other. It's never happened. And like, could you imagine, could you imagine a postseason series between the Phillies and the Mets? Can you imagine what that would be like?
0: You know, actually, I, I think I can. I feel like I can. It, it, look, if there's any format that's going to do it, it is this one. You're right. Exactly. I Yeah,
1: this is it's almost the way it's it's shaking out. I, I feel like it's almost just it's supposed to happen.
0: It's supposed to happen. <laughs> you know, with all the weird games these two teams have played over the last, you know, 10 or more years, it really does feel like a playoff series is the missing piece. Like we just need we just totally need to have maybe. that just to see what it would be like. Hopefully, it wouldn't really be too much like today, Sunday, um, either in terms of game length or in, um, you know, cardiac fibrillation, because <laughs> that's not good for anybody's health. Um, maybe everybody on the outside would have a good time with it, but I, I certainly would not. Uh, yes, I, I, I would love to see it. I, I, I want to see it. I want to see the Phillies. I want play to see the sense. Yeah, yeah, like I, I don't want to shy away from matchups i don't want to feel like i should be afraid of this phillies team going up against any of these other teams because while they're the phillies aren't as good as the top tier teams i still feel like they'll have a shot in a series no matter who they play they're not going to get probably not going to get run out of town you know they have they have the top end talent to load up in the first two games of his of a series with their best lineup and two really good starting pitchers, and be right in there, you could steal a game. Hell, if you're feeling frisky, you could think about stealing two.
1: Yeah, and the only issue is going to be that the team that comes out, the Phillies come out of that wild card series, whether they do it in two or three or you know don't do it at all, but they come out of it winning it in three. Yeah. Uh, that division series, it's a very quick turnaround. The postseason schedule is I right. uh, I I actually I know this for a fact teams did not know uh until a few weeks ago that it was going to be as condensed as as it is. Oh really? They, they didn't I, they didn't know before the trade deadline is what I was told. Oh. Um, so some of those oh. contenders that like, you know, might have I don't know if it would have affected trade deadline strategy for say the Dodgers, but you know, f- fourth and fifth stars are, are going to be needed, most likely, right. uh in, in the playoffs, especially when you get to the league championship series, I think, just with the way the schedule is condensed. Uh it, it, it's it's totally changes the strategy, I think, in the postseason. <laughs> like there's there's going to have to be reliance on 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 more starting pitchers and, and you're not gonna be able to ride your your relievers. You're gonna have to use your uh, fifth or sixth relievers, possibly in big spots in, in maybe like the third game of the series or something. I don't know, but uh, the Phillies will be compromised if they are, you know, going to New York for Game One of the NLDS, and they probably won't be starting Nola or Wheeler in that first game, right? Uh, the way the schedule is, I don't think it m- would happen most anymore.
0: likely, yeah. So it would have to be, it would have to be an off-cycle thing where we wouldn't necessarily have Ace versus Ace on the right. hill each game, right? And that's fine, whatever. That's not really that important. Neither of those pitchers would probably be expected. If the to Phillies go are in the NLDS anyway. against
1: the Mets. I think I feel like
0: most people would deem that a success. Absolutely, Yes, I'll speak for myself, but I I absolutely would. I I think what's going to be interesting over the next week and a half now as we get toward the roster expansion time in in the beginning of September where uh, another pitcher and another hitter can be added to the roster to bump it up to 28. We were talking about the bullpen, the pitching staff in general, how things are looking potentially a little bit dicey with a couple of injuries that came up, David Robertson, like we just mentioned, threw fifty some pitches in less than twenty four hours. Yeah. Fifty seven pitches in less than twenty four hours. He will not
1: be pitching for a few days.
0: And no, I I would honestly be surprised if we see him before Thursday, if at all during the Cincinnati series. Um, just as a guess, um, depth is going to be intriguing, especially with you know, like you mentioned, Noah Syndergaard going and possibly needing to pick up some bailey falter like six innings um how active can we expect this team to be over the next week and a half if say somebody takes a dive on in the rotation in one of these games and the staff gets overworked and we we see derek hall take the mound again like what how how frequently do you think they're gonna swap out the 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 bottom end of the bullpen just to try and keep guys fresh
1: I don't know, I mean I, I think they would have liked to get a little more length. Uh they certainly will for Monday's game. I think they wanted more uh over the weekend, but uh a lot of their length guys at AAA had had pitched recently. Like just about yeah. every guy had pitched recently. It was not uh particularly good roster planning. Uh in my opinion, I'm not quite sure what was going on, but you know, like Chris Sanchez and Kent Emanuel and and Mark Appel, uh they had all pitched you know, like Friday and Saturday, hmm. uh, you know, I, I think they'd like to get Chris Sanchez into the bigs in some way uh, in, in, in before the season ends. I think they like him as a, as a reliever, as like a two inning guy uh, in the majors. Um, I, I feel like we're going to see him at some point. Okay. Uh, his, his outings haven't been great of late at AAA. Uh, neither oh. have appels for what it's worth. Uh, And so they went to Tyler Sear, who's a guy that may not spend very much time on the roster. You know, had thrown the ball well, so they gave him a shot. But, I mean, I think what's going to be interesting, Paul, is that, for example, you know, they they have really not used their relievers a lot. (laughs) Like, they really haven't leaned on a lot of these guys. Like, Brad Hand and Connor Brogdon have have barely pitched. Mm. They've barely pitched. They've pitched really well when they've pitched, and Brogdon's Sunday notwithstanding, but... Sunday was the first time that Hand had pitched back to back days Saturday and Sunday since early July, and Saturday and Sunday was the first time Brogdon pitched back to back days since early June. Um, Might. they have not been used uh, in that way for a while, they're going to have to, to be used that way, uh, yeah, for the foreseeable yeah. future. Think. And, and you know, a lot of importance is going to be on Jose Alvarado now, your guy. And uh, <laughs> I mean, what a turnaround! Like, it's not you know, we've talked about the turnaround and how he's become you know, really cutter heavy and, and it's a t- tremendous pitch. It's a pitch that really um, almost no one else in the sport has right now. Um, maybe the, the guardians reliever who, the closer, I'm, I'm going to his name. Classe, right. Emmanuel Class a, um has a tremendous uh, cutter, power cutter, like Alvarado does, but, uh, you know, he's striking out 40% of the patterns he's faced since, since right. early June. Uh, it's a, it's a terrific look right now. Uh, he's, he's become one of the more important guys on this team. I think right now, uh, mm-hmm. given the way the bullpen uh, shakes out, and a guy like Sam Coonrod, uh, who, who I talked to a little bit, he's my story uh, over at the athletic. He <laughs> he told me that he had a 50% tear of his rotator cuff in spring training. And, uh, you know, it took him a while to get back. And, and he was throwing 97, 98 uh, in his first game back. And he thinks there's a little more in there as he kind of gets going here. Uh, they, they like Coonrod's arm. Uh, he's throwing a cutter instead of a slider now, because the slider was hurting his elbow uh, last season and earlier hmm. this season. So, Okay. He, he likes the cutter. It's, it's got some decent life to it. Um, he's a guy who can pitch his way into a bigger role here, like no doubt. Uh, Now, can he? I don't know. Uh, he missed a lot of time. And, and and the fastball, you know, it was flat before. It was flat last year. It got hit kind of hard at times. Yeah. Um, but he's got stuff, uh, and, and he's pitched some setup role for them. So he's a guy I'm kind of interested to see going forward. Andrew Bellotti is going to get big shots. He, he got another one on Sunday. These guys are going to have to step up. I mean, they need a couple guys to step up. David Robertson and Handle get the save opportunities, but uh, to me, Alvarado and Brogdon uh, and Bilotti, you know, really become important. And, and because you remove, you know, two trusted guys, and even though Canelo wasn't pitching, you know, the ninth inning anymore, he, he was, you know, he would have been in that game instead of Tyler Sear today. Like he would have been, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, if you can use him in a spot where you where, where you would use Bilotti, then you have Bilotti, you know, with an extra day of rest the next day and you just keep interchanging these guys and, and they don't have that. They don't have as many options that anymore. Yes. I asked about Griff McGarry. My understanding is, is that <laughs> I, I don't think they've gotten there yet. Okay, I think they're going to think about it. I think they've talked about it. They've kicked it around. I don't think it's ever gotten serious. Uh, I think there was interesting dynamics at play. I think they wanted him to make a few more starts because they want to get his innings up. He's only thrown like, uh, I think it's maybe it's more than six seven, about seventy innings now, because mm-hmm. uh, he missed some time at the beginning of season. He missed some time in the middle of the season with a blister. Like they want him to get innings up because they you know they really like him. Uh, you know they want him to have a pretty good innings base for next year because they like him as they think he's a starter moving forward. But um, you know that won't stop them from putting him in a bullpen now if they have a need if they think he can do it and they have a need. But they want him to get enough innings so that they can push him even further next year right? Uh, because they envision a pretty big role for him, possibly in the big leagues as a starter next year. So I think that is winning over right now. But uh, if a need rises, uh, if they decide that he's ready for it or they need it, uh, I, I still think it's a door that, that could be opened.
0: How about one guy who we were a little bit excited and, and, and looking forward to early on in the year? Uh, big Frankie Morales, Francisco Morales, who's thrown the ball a little bit better at AAA since his last cameo earlier. This month, he threw, I think, two more scoreless innings today 30 for the High
1: Valley. No yeah. yeah, no There's walks,
0: strikeouts. which is the, the most interesting thing. Um, strikeouts have been a little bit down, but that's a, it's a small stretch. Is he somebody who could still be in consideration for this, or are they still working on keeping his command in line down in the minors?
1: I mean, because he threw 30 pitches today, he's probably not going to be coming up this week. But I think that he's a guy that, if you're talking about churn, you know, like trying to get guys, you know, at the back of the bullpen, give different guys different shots. I mean, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I do. Um, Especially if it's in a lower leverage role. You know, the majors. It's funny because he kind of got thrown into it, you know, back in May. But uh, you know, there's just there's a lot of questions about the command, and it's the same thing with McGarry. Like you just. You, you know the stuff is incredible and like you're like you're dreaming on it and you're like well, And if this goes right it could be a terrific weapon for this club you know down the stretch uh you just you just don't know what version you're gonna get and that's tough to it's tough to put that kind of guy into a, a big game in a big spot um, when you don't really know what you're gonna get
0: sure although i guess we we sort of had that feeling about a couple of guys who are currently on the bullpen now and they figured it out i'll be it guys are more guys are different yeah. yeah exactly exactly so I think that'll be that'll be an interesting test.
1: They, Dominguez, I mean, he's been he's been tremendous.
0: Sure. And you know. losing him is is obviously the biggest the biggest deal. And we still, as of tonight, Sunday night, we still haven't heard the results of the MRI he no, received this morning.
1: I'm not totally sure about the results of the MRI. My read on the situation is that uh they are not upset to have a chance to give him a, a pause here.
0: Sure. That makes sense.
1: And they put him on the aisle before they even got the MRI back. And it wasn't because they knew it was so bad that they had to do it now. No, I think it was right. because they were like, <laughs> I, I think the results of the MRI are, are were, were going to be irrelevant as to whether they were going to give him a two-week break here. I do. Okay. Well, well, that uh, that's fine. Yeah. And, and, you know, I remember a guy who, who missed almost three seasons and, and is up to 44 innings this year, and, 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 and the results have been extraordinary. I mean truly extraordinary and it's not just what he's done it's just what he's allowed the manager to do otherwise is because he knows what's at the back there and he can move guys around and and use guys in different spots earlier in the game because he knows he's got that guy Dominguez in the back and that just is going to make Rob Thompson's uh, decision-making process a little harder here and I think it's going to be a really interesting uh peek into you know how 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 he thinks how he's going to do things whether he's going to be different and um, I kind of laugh when people are like, oh, you know, he manages bullpen so differently and so well. Like, honestly, like I see a lot of similarities to the way Trarney and Cowboy oh, yeah. manage bullpens and the way that Thompson does it. And that's their mm-hmm. knock. I mean, like, I think the bullpen is just better. Like they have had better guys and that has helped that makes the manager look better. And I think Rob's done some good things. I think he's been smart with how he's used his guys and he's gaining the trust of some guys, but they've also just been better.
0: So he- here's the thing I'm I'm starting to worry about a little bit with, the injuries that have piled up recently and just thinking about the stretch run how close can can you can we qualitatively assess how close this pitching staff is injury wise like who else they would need to lose in order for things to really start looking bad and tenuous like how how close is this team knowing the depth that they have knowing the guys that are still active and and you know the ones that are up on the shelf now are we closer to midnight than we want to admit or are things still okay? Are we? Yeah. Okay. That's what I was afraid of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It always felt that way with this bullpen, at least that before Robertson got added and before we knew that Bellotti was going to break out, that this was a unit that just kind of seemed like, we hope this works. Let's go for it. And it has worked, which is great. And that's allowed them to get to this point. But it is starting to worry me a little bit that, you know, Knable and, and Dominguez at the same time like this, and guys having to to work a little extra hard this weekend. Robertson in particular, um, it just feels like one more one more slip could really make things interesting and not in a good way.
1: Yeah, not just in the bullpen, but in the rotation too. I mean, if you lose a, a, mm. a you know one of your, I mean, obviously, like if you lose one of your top three or four starters, it just puts more strain on the bullpen. And, uh, they, they, you know, the bullpen has been working right. And Thompson's decisions have been easier, you know, because like the stars have pitched deep into games on a, on a, on a relatively consistent basis. So that's a big thing too. And they didn't do it over the weekend and it was glaring, you know, I mean, it really left them in a tough spot. Uh, and nine and games started by Nolan wheeler against the Mets. Uh,
0: remarkable. I have a hard time <laughs> with that one. I really do. <laughs>
1: You know, and, and, and kind of one last thing about the Mets. I know we talk about. I think what the Mets do. I think why people get frustrated is that they, um, they, they, they put the ball in play, and like I, I think the average mm. Phillies fan is like, gosh, I wish, like, I just wish the Phillies weren't so boomer bust, and they really are. Um They're, oh, sure. they're homerless in. 10 of their last 12 games. I've kind of been harping on this a lot and people are like, well, they only just need home runs to win. Like, but this team kind of does. <laughs> like this team needs to, if they're going to be winning and they're going to, need to be hitting home runs, just the way they're built. Uh, the Mets to me are like the, are, are, are the future They're the past and the future. I think when the defensive changes, the decent defensive shift rules come into play next year, when the pitch clock comes and, and there's no, you know, being a max effort guys a little harder because there's less time between pitches. Um, uh, you know, there's less defensive maneuvering you can do like the contact thing, Paul, like that's, uh, that's where it's going. Like, I really think that's where it's going.
0: It, it sort of feels like that's what offensive roster ability needed to move toward as pitching became so insane over these past few years that teams needed to find ways to coach their existing guys into making more contact while also fostering development in the system that allows for more contact when applicable, you know, obviously you don't want to completely overhaul somebody who's, who's uh, built for power and that's, that's their calling card. That's what's going to get them right, to the major leagues for be, however uh, long. The same approach. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. But that it does feel like that was the goal. Right. And it's bearing out. Like I, I don't know what the future holds with the, the shift banning and the way things are going to change with fielder. You know, that's, that's next year's problem right now. Yes, it's absolutely true. And it has been true. I feel like for a couple of years now, at least, you know, in my confirmation bias of watching Phillies Mets games, that a lot of these hitters in particular, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo, guys who are just really, really hard to put away, even if they don't get a hit, or even if they don't get on base at the end of the at bat. If you're throwing pitches in the shadow of the zone and they are spoiling them as they frequently do, that ramps up pitch count. That makes you throw more of your stuff earlier in the game, potentially. You know, all sorts of little dominoes can fall from that. There are more things that come from expanding these at bats than just working up a pitch count or eventually, you know, getting a hit. And it's what makes them such a formidable team, I think. And annoying. And well, very annoying, of course, but, (laughs) but they're going to be really hard to put away. You can't just trot out guys, you know, even the, the amazing stuff that this Phillies bullpen has, and they did get a few strikeouts over the weekend. They had to work for it. You know, even Jose Alvarado typically, you know, had to work for it. I think he threw 16 pitches in his inning. Like it, it, it's not, it's not a breeze for these guys. Neil had
1: an unbelievable weekend.
0: Like he at the plate and in does,
1: the man. field, he is, he's a t- tremendous player. Yeah.
0: Well, and the, and the tough thing about, you know, some of these guys and it's mostly because the two teams see each other all the time. I remember when Jeff McNeil first came up his first year or two, I think into 2019 at one point, I think like 30% of his career hits had come against the Phillies just as a <laughs> matter of like scheduling. And he had only been in the league for so long. It's just that he, and it's, he is emblematic of what we were just talking about with contact because he's somebody who will walk up to the plate with his hands practically at the trade. Oh my God. Yeah. Choked up, <laughs> just, you know, refusing to strike out. I actually just, I, I pulled up his splits right now, not including today's game for his career in more than 280 plate appearances. It's over 300, right? Yeah. He's got a 399 on base. He's hitting 326. Wow. OPS 869. That among opponents is not at the very top but among teams he has played frequently yeah that's that's the very top
1: I was 99% certain that Darren Ruff was gonna park one when he pinch hit today I
0: I was amazed that he didn't do more <laughs> because every time these guys come in they do they do something like that like even Luke Williams when the Marlins came through he barely did anything <laughs> but I think he had he had a couple stolen bases I think or something Like, that. like they just find ways to needle at you Um Yes, I was very surprised Darren Ruff did it or something. <laughs> I I I can't get over how they traded four guys for him. And that's something separate. Anyway, Mets are very good. I hope they play them again. But thankfully, I have uh, what is it, six weeks to decompress and not think about playing them again. for a while. Mets
1: Phillies NLDS or Mets Phillies NLCS. <laughs> uh... <laughs>
0: Yes. Look, I I'd, I'd take the shorter series if I'm a Phillies fan because that's that's where you stand a better chance of really sneaking up on them. I don't I don't think the Phillies can match up in a 7-game series. Um
1: people are going to be really mad about how positive we were on this podcast.
0: Good well, you know what? Look. I I get it. I get it. I do. This weekend was not a successful weekend. I want the Phillies to be on the Mets' level. I do, and I, and I and I think the expectation and the hope is that eventually, once they get all their pieces back, maybe we can say, oh yeah, maybe the Phillies will close the gap a little bit. I don't know if we will, beside the point. The Phillies are not there. And it is okay if at the end of a weekend series, where they fall a bit flat, that like you, we opened the show talking about this, and you said this, we can still consider them a good team, even though they lost three or four this way. Does it sting? Yes, of course. You don't like losing to the Mets this way, especially in your home park as it you know, gets taken over by half opposing fans, but, but it's okay. It's okay. And now you don't need to worry about the Mets for the rest of the regular season. Take the time to make sure everybody gets healthy, get your pieces back in order, get your swings back and your arm slots back against some of these bad teams. Look, in the remaining 40 some games of this Philly schedule, they have seven games against the Braves and that's that's about it in terms of yeah. Like, there's
1: a nine-game stretch there. Braves, Blue Jays, Braves.
0: Yeah. Okay. So and two, it's two games against the Blue Jays. So seven against the Braves and two against the Blue Jays, and the rest of it is buffeted by the likes of Arizona, Cincinnati. The closest you get to that tier after that is San Francisco, and, even and everyone's like, "Oh, know well,
1: well, we week. said this last year. What about?" But like, yeah, different team. This is a better team. Different team. <laughs> Different also the team. teams at the bottom of the National League are way worse
0: than they usually are. So bad. So <laughs> the Nationals are so bad.
1: They still have 7 against the Nationals. I mean, yeah.
0: Look, take get right against these teams. That's why I'm 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 a little bit like, oh that's that stinks, but not throwing myself over the guardrails about you know robertson being worked as much as he did because you're trying to win these games and i get that that's that's aggressive Mm -hmm. i didn't love the move to use him on sunday whatever that's beside the point if you were going to do that this is the series to do that in because Mm -hmm. now you can put him on the shelf for cincinnati reeling a little bit you don't want to take them completely for granted but it's not the same thing you know they're they're out of playoff contention they are not fighting for a playoff spot If you're going to put your chips into the middle, do it in that Mets series, even if the division wasn't in line, because like we've said previously, if it's a measuring stick and you want to put yourself in that that sort of playoff environment with playoff usage, or at least as close as you can get to it within reason in the regular season, that was it. Mm -hmm. So go for it. Okay, didn't work, fine. It bears out what we already knew, that the Mets are a lot better than the Phillies are now. Okay, great. Lesson learned. Now get your act together so that the next time you meet, you could put on a better show in the one that really matters.
1: We didn't even get to talk about Bradley Zimmer on this podcast.
0: Why would I want to talk about Bradley Zimmer?
1: <laughs> Next week.
0: Look, I I I I know nothing about the guy. I am excited to, to hopefully see his, his defense save a few runs. I wasn't um, impressed
1: with the defense over the weekend. I
0: thought it was gonna no. be no, yeah. it could have been. a
1: couple good plays, a couple of plays uh, that he should have made. Yeah, you know,
0: like if that's, and he's
1: here just for that, literally, literally, right. just for that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. By the way, Nick Mayton was going to play center field if the game kept going, because Hall yep. pinch hit for Zimmerer, and uh, Mayton right. was going to play center, and Sosa was going to play left. That I would was like, like a great place to end this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the Phillies are okay. The Phillies are fine. Now they get to play some lower-caliber teams and hopefully get their groove back and let's worry about it a little bit less. Take care of the Mets the next time this comes up and we can all sweat through it together. If this wasn't great. I would have liked a couple more wins. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, um, and hopefully you all out, out there won't either. <laughs> Save I'm that sleep for October well for this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, not save that for October because if this team does continue to keep it up and we do actually find ourselves uh cheering for a team playing playoff games, we have to relearn how to how to do that, how to be fans for playoff baseball. Right now, I think it was an interesting, an interesting dry run this weekend. <laughs> um we have some fine tuning, all of us, of, of <laughs> our 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 sense and and emotion, I'm sure. We'll we'll keep We'll keep feeling it out as we get closer and closer. Um, but that's a good problem to have, thankfully. Um, so I think we're on the same page there. The Phillies are fine. They'll be okay. Don't need to worry about the Mets for the rest of the regular season. Yay, woohoo! And now we get to play some uh, – we get to watch the Phillies play some, uh, some lesser teams and hopefully have some better results over the next couple of weeks. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully the news with Bryce Harper continues to stay good. Hopefully that rehab assignment kicks off soon and – He starts getting his timing back and and gets back into this lineup by the start of September. That would be amazing because like you mentioned, it it has become easy to forget that this guy has been missing for two months somehow, some way. I I never thought I'd be saying that. Um, So he'll be coming back. Hopefully everybody on the rest of the pitching staff stays healthy. That's always a big uh, cross your fingers moment. But for now, things are okay. The Phillies are still a game and a half up in playoff position. The Brewers thankfully keep giving their own games away. So if Phillies are getting some help, things are all right right now. A lot can change in the span of a week. We'll take our temperature next week and see how things go there. Might be singing a completely different tune. That's baseball for you. For now, things are okay and we will make it through. We will survive. So we'll catch you next week. Catch you on the other side of the Arizona and Cincy. Hopefully a little more walloping on these teams. We'll see. In the meantime, take care. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thank you as always. We'll catch up next week.
1: See ya.